Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the West Fraser Q2 2021 Results Conference Call. During this conference, West Fraser's representatives will be making certain statements about potential future developments. These forward-looking statements include certain statements about West Fraser's future financial and operational performance, including the impact of foreign exchange rates, credit ratings, and mill maintenance shutdowns, West Fraser's business outlook, including forecasted U.S. housing starts, market conditions, demand for products, and available supply and expectations concerning costs. West Fraser's capital plans, including the completion and ramp-up of capital projects and the benefits of such projects. The softwood lumber dispute, including adjustments to duty rates and related proceedings. The integration of Norboard into the West Fraser business and expected synergies. And recent developments, including the impact of wildfires on production and shipments and the completion of our substantial issuer bid. These statements include forward-looking statements within the meaning of Canadian and United States securities laws and are intended to provide reasonable guidance to investors. The accuracy of these statements depends on a number of assumptions and is subject to various risks and uncertainties that may cause future events to differ materially from the events implied by these statements. Actual outcomes will depend on a number of factors that could affect the ability of the company to execute its business plans, including those matters described under risks and uncertainties in the company's annual management's discussion and analysis as supplemented by other risks and uncertainties as set out in the company's quarterly MD&As. These filings can be assessed on West Fraser's website or through CDAR for Canadian investors and EDGAR for United States investors. Accordingly, Listeners should exercise caution in relying upon forward-looking statements. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by two. Mr. Ferris, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Michelle, um, and uh, thank you for that uh, uh, dis- uh, disclaimer. Uh, well, listen, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our, our Q2 2021 conference call. I'm joined today by Chris Barostic, our Chief Financial Officer, and Chris McKeever, our Senior Vice President, Marketing and Corporate Development, and several members of our executive team. Uh, this morning, I'll make a few opening remarks. And then I'll pass the call to Chris Barostic for a review of West Fraser's second quarter results before I make my concluding comments, and then we'll take your questions. 
Um, I'd like to start with a, with a couple of important uh, housekeeping items. Uh, today, we will uh, limit the scope of our comments to those already provided in our Q2 disclosures and we'll refrain from addressing any questions related to our company or market outlook beyond what has already been provided in those disclosures. Further, after this morning's earnings call, and in the absence of any material developments uh, that would require a news release, we do not intend to make any additional comments to investors or analysts until after our substantial issuer bid expires, which currently uh, is intended to expire on August the 17th, 2021. Finally, you will have noticed in our earnings release that we have announced a virtual investor and analyst event to be held on September 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 Pacific. We are planning for the event to be approximately two hours in duration and we'll have further details at a later date. Uh, with that out of the way, uh, let's move on to our comments for this quarter. It has been a captivating time for Forest Products. Uh, being, meaning, being a meaningful part of an industry that provides sustainable and renewable building products required for a low-carbon economy, simply by participating in the life cycle of the forest that we live and operate in. Manufacturing building materials from a sustainable and renewable forest is but one very important part of the required solution for a society to meet its climate change objectives. On the topic of sustainability, I am pleased to share that this summer, West Fraser will plant its two billionth tree as part of our reforestation program. This is a proud and long-standing commitment to the sustainability and environment in the communities in which we operate. We've been sustainably managing forests in BC, British Columbia, and Alberta for more than 65 years. For every tree we harvest in the woodlands that we manage, we plant two trees two seedlings in, in its place. This is a significant milestone for the company and we couldn't have achieved it without the support of our employees, contractors, community stakeholders, and many others. It's all part of our renewable resource management and contributes to the goals of supporting global climate change and carbon sequestration. Now on to our Q2 results overview. I'm pleased to report that another strong quarter for West Fraser as we may, remained an agile, remained agile and continued to work diligently, diligently at minimizing COVID-related business disruptions, thanks to our focus on the health and safety of our employees and communities. We remain proud of what we've accomplished so far. In North America, we experienced continued strength and recovery in U.S. home construction activity, spurring demand for wood building products. In fact, Homes construction as measured by new home starts recently reached levels not, since, not seen since 2006. Despite what appears to be a short-term pullback in repair and, and remodeling activity, we expect this segment to remain relatively strong in the longer term, supported by new home sales activity and an aging housing stock. The slowing of the repair and remodeling market was more evident for lumber and plywood, which has a greater exposure than our balance of engineered wood products to repair and remodeling. On the lumber side, the new manufacturing complex in Dudley, Georgia became fully operational in the second quarter, and the mill continues to make progress ramping up. On the OSB side, 
Supply continued to struggle to keep up with the stronger-than-expected recovery in OSB demand experienced in recent quarters. As you are aware, in response to this increased customer demand, and in the midst of a pandemic, we announced that the safe restart of our Chambord Quebec mill, which began to produce and ship panels in late March. Chambord remains on track to ramp up towards its annual rated capacity of 550 million square feet on a 3 8 inch basis, and we're very pleased with the progress to date. With that, I'll, uh, with that introduction, I'll now pass the call over to Chris Verostic. Thanks, Ray, and good morning, everyone, and, and thank you for joining us. As a reminder, our consolidated second quarter results include now a full three months of financial results from Norboard, and as of January 1 of this year, and for all comparative periods, we no longer exclude export duties in our calculation of adjusted EBITDA. When we last reported earnings in early May, the recovery in lumber and OSB demand was strong, and that demand strength continued through most of the second quarter. Demand for new housing construction in particular was elevated versus historic norms. In terms of financial performance, West Fraser generated consolidated adjusted EBITDA of $2.16 billion in the second quarter, up from $1 billion last quarter, largely due to the addition of Norboard's financial results for a full three months, as well as higher lumber and panel prices. Recall that in the prior quarter results, there was a $93 million EBITDA reduction, which was an acquisition-related non-cash purchase price accounting impact for the one-time inventory adjustment that raised our cost of goods to their sold to their fair value upon closing of the Norboard acquisition. Moving on to segmented results, our lumber segment reported adjusted EBITDA of $994 million versus $646 million in the first quarter of 2021, driven by higher pricing and higher shipments, partially offset by higher fiber costs. In our North American EWP segment, adjusted EBITDA increased to $1.106 billion from $353 million in the prior quarter, with gains primarily due to the addition of Norboard results for a full three months, as well as higher OSB and plywood pricing, which more than offset fiber and raw material cost inflation. Adjusted EBITDA in the pulp and paper segment increased to $25 million in the second quarter, from $11 million in the first quarter, owing to higher pulp pricing. And finally, adjusted EBITDA in the European EWP segment was $39 million in the second quarter, up from $11 million in the prior quarter. We continue to see recent market strength in Europe as demand for OSB continues to grow. Shifting to capital allocation and the balance sheet, capital expenditures were $66 million in the second quarter, slightly higher than capital spending in the prior quarter. Note that due to some lengthening lead times on projects currently underway, we are now expecting our 2021 capital expenditures target to be in the range of approximately 400 to 450 million versus our prior guidance of approximately 450 million. We continue to view share buybacks as an appropriate use of excess cash when we believe our shares are trading below intrinsic value. In the second quarter, we bought back 233 million worth of West Fraser shares under our normal course issuer bid at an average price of Canadian $90.85. We also amended our NCIB in the second quarter, allowing us to acquire an additional 3.54 million shares for an aggregate authorization of 9.58 million shares. We also remain pleased with the level of U.S. trading liquidity we've seen for West Fraser shares, 
with the addition of the New York Stock Exchange listing. Our U.S. trading volume, which accounted for less than 10% of our total trading volume on U.S. and Canadian exchanges in February, now regularly reaches 35% of our daily total trading volume. Given the strong Q2 results, our financial liquidity increased materially, exiting the quarter with $3.39 billion of available liquidity, up from $2.55 billion last quarter. Leverage was modest, exiting the quarter with total debt of $500 million and net cash of $1.7 billion. In combination with the early redemption of the Norboard 2023 and 2027 notes, we have now retired in aggregate $665 million of high-yield Norboard debt, which will ultimately reduce annual interest costs by approximately $40 million and help rationalize our capital structure. With that, I'll turn the call back over to Ray for an update on our outlook on 2021, recent developments in capital allocation, and on the Norboard integration. Thanks, Chris. Um, in terms of our end markets, uh, low mortgage rates and the ongoing trend toward greater work from home continues to create strong incentives for people to purchase new single-family homes and undertake renovations and do-it-yourself projects. The underlying housing formation deficit has continued to drive demand for single-family homes, which consumes more wood, more of our wood building products than multifamily. While we recognize there are many factors outside of our control that can temporarily influence markets, including uncertainty around the long-term economic implications of the effects of COVID-19, we remain constructive and optimistic about market fundamentals. That is underpinned uh, by the environmental benefits of building with wood, which have never been more clear and more accepted. However, at the same time, it's important to recognize that wildfires and wildfire risks we're seeing in Western Canada uh, as a result of extreme heat and dry conditions. The province of British Columbia has recently declared a provincial state of emergency and the wildfires are affecting access to logging areas in some of our operating areas and are impacting transportation networks that we rely on to move our products. This has resulted in temporary suspensions of production due to raw material shortages, evacuation orders, and difficulties, uh, as I discussed about moving our finished products by truck and rail. In order to address the wildfire situation in Western Canada, its transportation challenges, log cost and availability, variable and short-term demand, and overall inventory levels, we may, from time to time, adjust our activity levels at our operations as we have previously done. As a result, our production and shipments in the second half of 2021 may be impacted. More importantly, keeping our employees and communities safe during these challenging times and focusing on servicing our customers' needs remain our key priorities. On last quarter's earnings call, we noted that the considerable cash accumulation we are seeing was a relatively new trend and that you could expect us to be thoughtful patient and balanced in our capital allocation strategy. As you're also aware, we've taken a key step toward that commitment. Commencing early this month with a substantial issuer bid, which we have offered to repurchase up to $1 billion Canadian of our common shares. This SIB is by way of a modified Dutch auction with a tender price range of $85 to $98 Canadian per share and is set to expire on August 17, 2021. 
We look forward to sharing with you the results of this SIB tender process when those results become available. In terms of the NORBOARD integration, and as noted previously, our, continue, our team continues to work, rapidly work through synergies and how to make our company even better. The level of engagement and the building of momentum remains impressive and high. Now only five to six months into it, I remain confident that we are on track to achieve our targeted annual synergies of 61 million over the next 12 to 18 months. Safety remains a key priority for the company. We know we can eliminate serious incidents and injuries. Despite driving overall injury rates and severity to continued new lows throughout the company, we continue to see incidents that tell us we have much more work to do. Our employees continue to do the heavy lifting in delivering strong safety and operational results, all while dealing with the obstacles and challenges of a still ongoing pandemic, as well as the evolving risks of Western Canadian wildfires. The strength and resiliency of our employees is impressive. It's this dedication and perseverance of the many people across the company who I'm most thankful for and proud of. Finally, I'd like to recognize Brian Bothwell, our Vice President of Canadian Wood Products, who's retiring from West Fraser after a long and distinguished career. I want to acknowledge Brian for his significant contributions he has made to the company while helping to advance West Fraser and being a key driver and leader of the West Fraser company culture over the last 35 years. Uh, we have one thing that we tell our people in the company is that our job is to, is to leave it better than you found it and to move the ball. Uh, Brian has done that. Brian, you'll be missed. Thank you and congratulations as you move on to your next adventure. With that, we'll turn the call back to the operator for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc your first question comes from mark wild of bmo please go ahead morning right morning chris morning mark uh Ray, I, I, first of all, I want to just start by congratulating you on a good quarter. And I also want to, you know, again, kind of acknowledge that we're getting a much more detailed slide deck from you each quarter, and, and I think better disclosure in the MD&A, and I appreciate that. 
uh, to start out, I, I'd just be curious on your thoughts about sort of the speed and magnitude of the lumber price correction uh, that we've seen and maybe sort of any color on how that's flowing over into the export side of your business. Uh, well, anyway, good morning again, Mark, and look, uh, thanks for that. Look, I, when it comes to the slide deck and the detail, I'd love to take, uh, you know, uh, but that's really, uh, that's uh, Chris and Robert that are, that are, you know, improving uh, that, and, and we appreciate the feedback. Um, I'm going to kind of ask uh, Chris McKeever to kind of maybe talk a little bit about uh, the question really around export markets, I think. Morning, Mark. Um, just, just to clarify. Hi, you're speaking more on the lumber side than the OSB side, or are you, are you speaking generally about both? Actually, about both, if you could. Okay, sure, sure. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I'd be a bit remiss to say if I didn't say that we, you know, we we are a bit surprised at how quickly the prices have come off, but but that's you know that really is is a reflection of how quickly they went up. So. Um, we, we did expect a correction. Uh, we thought it might be a bit more muted and take a little bit more time. We're, we're not surprised to the level we've come to at this time in the short term because we actually fundamentally believe we went too high and we, we think we're probably gone a little bit too low as well in, in the correction. But so, so I, you know, I, I think we're seeing a little more stability on the lumber side um, right now where, you know, where, you know, sales are picking up a bit. OSB is a little bit behind. Um, you know that market hung in a bit better, and quite frankly, we think the demand for panels is probably a little stronger at this time than it is for uh, for lumber. So you know we, we think it's got a bit more to go, and, and we're not seeing a lot of demand until we find some sort of bottom there. But we believe we will. And with regards to export, it was very difficult to participate in export markets. You know during this run up over the last year, um, they just couldn't keep up. But saying that, Japan actually got to levels very similar to North America, and the prices there are still holding up. We expect to see you know, a bit of weakness there over the next while, so that market looks pretty good. Uh, China, we have, um, we've re-entered, um, not in a significant way, but we, you know, we're putting some more product over there, uh, quite frankly, because some of the pricing is, is quite favorable. So, um, we, we never exited any of the export markets. We did reduce our volumes, and, and uh, you know we're picking those up a little bit now. So. Okay, that's helpful. And then I, I wondered, Ray, if you can give us just some sense of how to you would expect a BC fiber cost to move as we go through the second half of the year uh, and into the uh, the first half of next year. Um, I know you've got some of this in your your MDNA, but if you could just kind of walk us through, I mean, for those of us who uh, you know don't live this every day, it's a it's a fairly complicated uh, you know set of um, adjustments that get made over time. I'll try to do that. It's I think it's pretty straightforward for the second half of this year. I think you know it's it's publicly available that stumpage will uh, rise on October first. You know. Stumpage impacts can be different depending on the region that you're operating in, but you know they're you know you know it's you know so everyone may see it somewhere differently, but it's going to be a significant increase and you know somewhere in the thirty dollar range, but it could be more or less than that. Um, and so you know it's going to have an impact. I, 
So you've, you've got two things that happen. You know, we obviously purchase quota logs, which are directly tied with stumpage, and we but we purchase uh, a lot of logs on the on the on the open market, and and you know the pricing of those two can be different. So uh, you know it really comes down to how much purchase wood do we go after, or how much quota wood that we bring in, and and that's where it becomes a little bit more complicated. Uh, and those things those conditions change, Mark. So it's it's very difficult to predict. The other aspect is policy and you know those things that you know despite whatever the economic part are is is what's our ability to access the land base in certain areas in order to get the volumes that we require and so um, you know I think it's I think those are things are pretty well known in the industry mark and and uh, but uh, you know I would say you know our our view is is that uh, you know it's it probably will be a difficult it was a difficult first half it'll probably be a difficult second half Okay. And finally, do you have any sense right now about sort of where the cost position of the overall BC lumber industry is relative to kind of current market prices? Um, probably the same as yours, Mark. I, you know, I think I think the cost of log sawn are pretty high for everyone, and uh, you know, I so I mean, I I'll, I think again, I think everybody's different, but. Uh, I think we're all in the same area code, and you know, uh, we're you know we're probably in that uh, in that area code is what I'd say. But uh, you know, I, I can't give you any more direction than that. Okay, all right. And then I, I guess actually one other question: just any any sense from you, or maybe from Chris McKeever, about just where we stand in terms of uh, lumber inventories at both the mill level uh, and the customer level, and whether there's maybe some variation, you know, with maybe producers who have been doing a lot of uh, R&R or big box business versus, you know, people who are more tied to uh, uh, to new res. Just before I kind of get Chris to kind of maybe weigh in there, I'll just say two things. One, it's important to remember that we run an integrated business in British Columbia. Uh, so we run plywood, uh, MDF, uh, and of course, uh, a lumber in BC and of course we have other integrated models in the company so it's important to recognize that um, many of our other businesses are holding up uh, uh, quite well and you know I, you know I when I look at the MDNA I you know I think it's important to note when you look at the first half production and shipments pretty balanced uh, I think people knew where we entered the year and I think it probably gives a pretty good description of where we are currently so I'm gonna but, but I'm gonna let Chris kind of talk uh, answer that. Yeah, hi Mark. Um, so yeah, I think I think you you're asking the right question. It is a story of two different markets right now. DIY or R and R has dropped off a lot, and and there's a few reasons for that. I mean, I think people are doing different things and fixing their decks and houses right now. Um, so we've seen box store programs slow tremendously, uh, and their inventories were relatively high. You know. That business started slowing a couple months ago, and we think that you know it, the inventories are getting in better shape, and we expect by the fall they'll be back, you know, doing some buying. Whereas new housing is is very busy. Um, they're you know they don't have enough; they can't quite keep up, and inventories for those who are supplying that business we think are relatively low. So um, overall, not in a bad position, but um, you know we need the uh, R and R folks to come back. Which we think they will in the fall. So, okay, sounds good. I'll turn it over. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
Your next question comes from Hamir Patel of CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Ray, the, uh, the non-fiber cost inflation that uh, the, uh, the press release pointed to, uh, to in the South, is, you know, is that labor turnover or does that reflect, uh, you know, maybe some more permanent uh, wage cost inflation that you've had to absorb this year? Uh, well, good morning, Hamir. Uh, good question. Um, and uh, and uh, it, uh, I would say the bulk of it would be non-wage inflation. Um, well, sorry, actually, wage inflation is obviously a, a part of that. Uh, however, when we invest in wages, we we typically see that uh, we'll be rewarded on that side. Uh, turnover actually is uh, remains very similar to previous years, so that's really really not it. Um, I, but listen, we are seeing cost pressure outside of wages in really everything from transportation, uh, you know, you know, through the supply chain, there's an impact. So, okay. thanks, Ray. And um, you know, the press release pointed to some elements of uh, market downtime in the back half of June. Um, you know, could you quantify how much that was, and um, at least backward-looking in July so far, uh, how much have you taken? No, we we haven't put a number on that, Hamir. And what, what I would say is, this, it's not inconsistent with how we've uh, operated in the past, which is, you know, we're going to adjust our operations based on a number of factors. Uh, you know, logs are one aspect of it. You know, weather, uh, inventory levels, and 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 market conditions. So. So I mean, I you know I, I think it's kind of just honestly, it's really a status quo. We're gonna we're gonna run our business uh, to 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 you know meet those challenges. And so, um, but no, I wouldn't put a number on it. Great, thanks, uh, Ryan. So the last question for me, um, you know, it seems like the weakness on the R and R side largely is on the DIY component and the contractor side at least for other building products, appears strong. Um, I was curious if you guys have any work about, you know, what percent of R&R, &R, I think the slide deck showed 41% is R&R, &R, but what portion of that is DIY uh, versus, um, you know, contractors? No, Hamir, I can't, uh, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there that does a pretty good job of breaking that down, but we really haven't dissected that. I think I think the the, the important part is, is that, you know, uh, whether it's sticker shock or people heading to the beach, um, you know, a temporary pullback, you know, certainly. But the, the driver really around single family houses, I mean, everything else looks good. The fundamentals remain strong. DIY, uh, decks, fences, all those other things, um, you know, uh, you know, we're pretty confident that, uh, you know, listen, growth had to slow a little bit from the, uh, uh, spike that we saw in 2020, but but our everything that we see would indicate that uh, you know continued growth in R and R uh, on a quarter to quarter basis, maybe not, but 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 over the next year or two, absolutely. Fair enough. Uh, thanks, Ray. That's that's all I had. Thanks, Amir. Your next question comes from Paul Quinn, RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Morning Ray and the, the two Chris's. Morning, Paul. Morning. 
Hey, uh, great results, guys. But uh, just just wondering why CapEx this year is, is so back and weighted. I mean, if I take a look at sort of the five-year average, it, you, you know, it's slightly back and weighted, sort of 55% in the back half, 45 in the front. But this year looks, you know, if I take the midpoint of your guide, it's kind of 30% in the front, 70% in the back. Why is that? Well, I'll probably get myself in trouble. But uh, here's what I would say is that, look, we – we may have been pretty focused on uh, completing a pretty major acquisition and uh, completing a couple of, we had quite a bit of capital going on last year, as you're aware. Um, and probably uh, Ray probably said, let's just take a, you know, so, you know, really we're, we're, we've been going gangbusters. So it's only, uh, it's only back end weighted just because that's the flow uh of what's happened and so uh but uh you know we you know it, I, it's just a timing issue and uh, maybe a bit of a unintended uh you know um, i don't want to say lack of focus because that would put uh, hind, uh, uh you know say that i'm the problem but uh you know two startups in the first half a major acquisition our foot is intended to be on the gas pedal it's not unusual to see our capital program uh, be a bit lumpy. It's not an even flow type of business. Okay, fair enough. And then uh, your MD&A referenced uh, U.S. Southern Yellow Pine log increased costs. I'm just wondering if that's a regional thing or are you seeing that broadly distributed across the U.S. So? I, I, well, the answer is both. So I would say generally most of our issues have been regional uh, and uh, whether it's weather, uh, other environmental factors, or you know just increased competition, but I'd say it's uh, mostly regional. And in those areas, we we've seen this from time to time to see those log costs come down as uh, as the uh, weather impacts subside. You know, but there has been some cost inflation across most some of the regions. All right, that's all I have. Best luck. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Your next question comes from Sean Stewart of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Sean. A couple of questions. Uh, Chris Ferostic, as markets moderate here and we get a sense of where things will start to normalize for the company from uh, an earnings and cash flow perspective, do you have any updated thoughts on what an optimal capital structure looks like for the company uh, I guess the general sense is you want to keep ongoing strong liquidity on the balance sheet but are there any metrics you guys are focusing on over the long run is, is something you're targeting yeah thanks Sean I appreciate the question you know and I, I think as, as the businesses are coming together and we sort of you know maybe get a bit of this volatility in, in the rearview mirror we're, we're looking at all those things you know I think Rightly, as you indicate, the investment grade rating we think is important to us. I think it, it enables us to, to weather tough times like we had in early 2020 and, and 2019, um, you know, with a measure of, with a measure, measure of confidence. And, uh, you know, to do things like we did in 2019 to continue on with our capital program and, and uh, you know, maintain our dividend in early 2020 when, when things were tough. So, you know, I think what we're, what we're looking at you know, among those things is, well, you know, we got two new startups, we got an ambitious capital program, we want to be able to return capital to shareholders, um, you know, but we got to be able to manage volatility when it occurs, um, which can be un unpredictable at times. So, you know, I guess what I would say is, you know, more to, more to come on that here over the next probably several quarters.
bit more in the rearview mirror post acquisition and 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 see things. But uh, you know, I, I think the the guidance would be we're going to remain uh, conservative and balanced. Uh, we're in a volatile industry where cash flows can change you know materially in the short term, and we don't want that to uh, you know to put the company at risk in any way. Thanks for that detail. And then further further to that question is. Norboard's integrated, and your thoughts can turn back to potential M and A. The bias in the investment community is assumptions that you'll look at U.S. South sawmills and and maybe growth in Europe as well. Would stuff like cross laminated timber be of interest to you guys potentially? Um, there's obviously one significant bankruptcy that's that's just happened there, but. It, uh, more niche-focused engineered wood products. Is that something that would potentially be of interest? Um, well, anyway, Sean, uh, I'll, I'll try and field that one. Uh, look, I, one thing I, I want to say is I, you know, I think as we said as we went into the OSB and the integration, I, I mean, our, you know, uh, I really believe and and, our, and I think we're seeing that, uh, you know, we, we feel we've built more capacity in the company to take on uh, projects and and opportunities, um, you know, uh, and and I think our digestion is going very well. So, you know, I, it's just fundamentally in our in our DNA. It really comes down to you know what makes the company stronger and better, and and and, uh, and so you know, I, it, it's it's hard to say no to anything. I think we're going to look at anything and everything that we think enhances value for our shareholders. I think uh, you know the primary targets are the ones that you mentioned. Um, you know our, uh, you know the the OSB um, uh, team. Uh, I think uh, you know we have a you know our engineered wood portfolio is quite strong now. I think that gives us the opportunity to um, uh, learn and uh, and think about growing in other areas. So I wouldn't take anything off the list. Um, it's interesting to us. Our primary focus today would be uh, we've been a big supporter of the, the Softwood Lumber Board and uh, and the support of CLT and the growing of that market. We continue to do that and uh, uh, and 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 support the direction of CLT. I, I'd say today our primary focus is to make sure that we uh, the CLT guys continue to grow and hopefully we can sell lumber and and other products to them and and uh, but other engineered wood products like CLT are are things of interest that we'll we'll explore over time. Thanks for that detail, Ray. Uh, that's all I have. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sean. Your next question comes from Mark Wild, BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, Ray. I'd like to just come back on some capacity issues. Uh, uh, first of all, you, you mentioned in the MDNA that the ramp up at Dudley uh, is likely a multi-year process, and, and that's a site where you've already got it, like a trained labor force. Can you just help us in thinking about how long you would expect a, a ramp up of a new facility to typically take, and what that curve might look like? Well, you know, great question, Mark. And I, and you know, we've got a fair amount of experience of, of uh, major capital and startups, so. Uh, you know, they're not all the same. Um, you know, we think it's an inherent advantage to start with a, a base of, uh, of uh, long-term loyal employees. It certainly can be done in Greenfield as well. 
Um, but you know, typically we're thinking that you know to get to close to capacity, we're it's a two-year uh, project, um, and uh, you know I would say our recent startups have been better than our. You know, I think we we believe we're getting better at this, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy, uh, uh, people, and and focus. But I just it's just I would say two years, and it's really. You know, um, you know there are always engineering issues to work through, as you had to uh, that uh, or misses, and uh, and 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 you know, retraining and uh, you know a lot of new technology that does take people time to uh, um, to kind of get up to speed and to work the kinks out of. But I two years. Two years, okay. And then the other thing on the Sonos side, I, I noticed this announcement just a week or two ago of a 400 million board foot sawmill in North Carolina, which it's much larger than uh, any of the other projects I've seen announced over the last few years. Uh, do you have any perspective on this? Is this a sign that maybe sort of the whole step up in scale for a southern sawmill is, you know, is likely to take a big leg up here? Or would there be something that could be particular to that situation? Because typically there may be 250 to 300 million board feet seems to be what people are building. This one is, you know, probably half again as large. Yeah, no, I don't think I can speculate on that. Look, I mean, I think if you look across North America, there's small mills that can be extremely profitable and large mills that can be extremely profitable. I think it's specific to that location or drain or opportunity, uh, perhaps around timber supplies. Uh, and so uh, I think each situation is unique. Uh, I, I'd let the average sawmill size speak for itself. But I think, look, we've got we've got small mills that that have great margins, and we've got larger mills that uh, have great margins, and, and everything in between. So I, I think it's I think it's my personal opinion would be it's uh, you build the mill that you think is appropriate for that location. That's what we do. I can't speculate how they came to their decision, but uh, leave that to them. Okay. The last thing I had on supply is just in in the slide deck this morning. You've got something kind of showing the uh, ability of the OSB industry, kind of tapping out at about a, a million and a half starts on the existing supply base. From a West Fraser standpoint, if you were as you get deeper and deeper into OSB, if you were thinking about adding further capacity beyond the restart of Chambord, any thoughts about how you would do that? I mean, would you uh, could you debottleneck or add second lines at an existing mill, or would you want to think about sort of an entirely new mill in a new location? So, um, you know, hard to say no to either of those, uh, Mark. So, you know, I think if you look at what we've done, uh, including what was announced in December and what we announced, I think, back in June about uh, debottlenecking capacity uh, and, and value around, you know, we've invested continue to invest in OSB. Uh, we think we have uh, more projects to bring forward like that. I think our capital allocation history is pretty straightforward. You know, we, we like to reinvest in what we have and make it better and then look for those opportunities uh, to expand uh, in those areas. So, so I really can't say that, you know, both of those would be on the table, but, you know, first it's going to be how do we make what we have better. And again, if you look at what we've kind of, uh, committed to since uh, December, it's it's not insignificant. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ray. Good luck in the third quarter. Thanks, Mark.
there are no further questions at this time, so I will turn the conference back over to Mr. Ferris. Please go ahead. Um, look, thanks everyone for joining the call this morning. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, as always, uh, Chris Brosk uh, and I are available to respond to further questions, as is Robert Winslow, our Director of Investor Relations and Corporate Development. Uh, look, stay safe, and we'll look forward to uh, reporting uh, out on the next on our progress in the next quarter. Thanks, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.